welcome everyone. Oh yeah, New Hope Radio. Glad to be with you today, Dave Therian. Hey, you know what we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the sweetest words that you could ever hear. Ah, what do you think they would be? You probably heard some sweet words in your life, right? But what do you think are the sweetest words you could ever hear? Now, we know there are some words that are very wonderful to hear when they're spoken to you, right? Did you ever hear, you're hired, you got the job, that's good. Or maybe you've done something and somebody said, oh, that's a great job, beautiful. How about this one, ladies? He says, will you marry me? (laughs) That's a good one, right? How about men when she says, yes, I'll marry you, right? Now, these are all great phrases. But there's one phrase that I really think tops them all. It's the one that gives the greatest joy. We're going to begin a brand new series. It's entitled, Jesus Said What? What did he say? He really said that? Because he said some pretty startling things. And today we're going to see that he said something. Maybe it's not so startling, but it's very comforting. And what are those sweet words that he said? Something everybody needs to hear. Your sins are forgiven. Those are great words. Your sins are forgiven. See, that's the joy that every person receives when they hear the gospel and they respond to it. You hear the good news of Christ for the first time. God so loved the world that he gave you something. He gave his only begotten son. That if you believe in him, you will not perish. You will have everlasting life. And then you respond and you receive Christ. And you know what? Your sins are forgiven. That's incredible. Only God can do that. And that's what we're going to see today in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 1. Getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over the sea and he came to his own city. Now, what is considered his own city? Capernaum. And the reason they considered Capernaum, Jesus' own city, he spent a lot of time there. He did a lot of his work there in that town. So they considered that his town, his city. Verse 2, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Now, you might not realize it, but this man is blessed. See, this guy is lying on a bed or a, a stretcher, and it's People are carrying him. You say, how can that guy be blessed? He can't walk. Well, he's in a bad way physically. But he has something going for him really, really good. And you know what that is? Friends. He's got friends. I'll tell you what. When you've got friends, how about this? Godly friends. When you've got godly friends, you're in a good place. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You have godly friends. You are that godly friend. And that puts you in a good place. Godly friends are the best asset when you're in a bad situation. You probably heard of Jesse James, the famous outlaw. Remember that guy? You know what it was said of him? He said he'd rather run with the sinners than get mixed up with the saints. Yeah, he said that. That's how Jesse James saw things until April 3rd, 1882. 
on that fateful day, he was gunned down. Not by a law-abiding saint, but by Robert Ford, <laughs> a member of his own gang. What does that teach us? There is value in having the right friends. Oh yeah, there's a lot of value in having the right friends. I always say, if you want to fly with the eagles, you can't run with the turkeys. No. Choose your friends wisely. Oh, that's so important. Choose them wisely. Okay, so Jesus sees these men, and they're carrying their friend on a stretcher to him. Right? Guy can't walk. His friends are carrying him. In verse 2, seeing their faith. Oh, isn't that something? Seeing their, not, not seeing the faith of the man on the stretcher, seeing the faith of the friends. That's something. And you know what else it tells us? Faith is something that can be seen. Jesus saw their faith. You know what that tells me? Faith is not a secret. Faith isn't something you keep secret. Faith is something that is demonstrated. Right? Oh, yeah. Faith is for all to see. Why is that? It brings glory to God. It certainly does. I think we see a little Hebrews 11.1 1 going on here. Where it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things hmm, not seen. Now what is assurance? Faith, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Assurance means a setting under or a foundation. Okay? So faith is the foundation of things that we hope for. It's a conviction of things not seen. Now what's conviction? Conviction is proof that by which something is tested. Okay? Faith will always be tested. Oh yeah, that's why we have it. So we can see, here it comes, how strong it really is. So, faith is the basis of our walk with God, and it demonstrates the reality of that faith. See, faith has to be demonstrated. It's the foundation of our relationship with God, but it's something that has to be demonstrated as well. Right? Faith without works is what? <laughs> Dead. So James said, faith is alive. Faith gets things done. So here we are in verse 2, Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to stay there for a minute. For by it, by what? Faith. Men of old gained approval. Yeah, God loved these Old Testament people because they demonstrated real faith. Those with real faith are pleasing to God. What's real faith? Let's say this. Let's say that real faith doesn't waver based on conditions. Real faith is stead real faith, it's steadfast. It's steady as she goes. You know, you keep that bow of the ship pointed into the storm, into the waves. You keep going forward. You don't waver. You don't fall back. That's not faith. Faith is, I'm going to continue to trust. I'm going to continue to rely on God. Faith is, I'm going forward. I don't care if the winds of life are blowing against me. I'm going forward. That's faith. 
So let's get back to uh, our gospel. Here comes these four men, as Mark records, and they believe that Jesus is the answer to their friend's problem. We don't even know if the guy on the stretcher believes that. We don't know if he believes it, but the friends do. You know, maybe the friends said to the guy on the stretcher, listen, we heard about somebody. His name is Jesus. Oh, he does incredible things. He's helped blind people see. He's helped deaf people hear. And you know, people just like you that couldn't walk, he helped them walk. What do you think? Want to go see him? Guy in the stretcher could have said, I don't know. I've been like this all my life. I don't know. And the friends are like, no, man, we're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to bring you to Jesus. We're going to see what Jesus can do. Oh, see, that's godly friends. Godly friends always pick you up. They don't knock you down. They pick you up. And they encourage you. So they have that kind of faith. So seeing their faith, now Jesus talks to the paralytic. He sees the faith of his friends, but he speaks to the guy on the stretcher. And you know what he said to him? <laughs> he said, take courage, son. I like that. Take courage, son. Be of good cheer. You know what take courage means? Be of good cheer. Be happy, son. That's a term of endearment. And this is why. Then he dropped it. He said it all. Your sins are forgiven. We're like, Jesus said what? You can see all the people in the crowd. Jesus said what? Your sins are forgiven? Oh, no. You can't say that. Verse 3. Some of the scribes, they said to themselves, this fellow blasphemes. Who's he think he is? He's a slanderer of God. You know, there's a phrase that describes these religious people that didn't like Jesus. You know what it is? Where love is thin, faults are thick. You ever notice that? Where love is thin, faults are thick. Where you don't have love for someone, it's easy to find fault with them. When you love someone, the faults, you don't even see them. But when there's no love there, <laughs> that's all you see is faults. That's how it was with these religious people when they looked at Jesus, even though Jesus had no faults. So they're saying, who is this? He blasphemes. No one can forgive sin but God. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, <laughs> he didn't even hear them. He read their mind. He said, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Why do you guys have all these bad thoughts toward me? Which is easier to say. Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. What's easier? And then Jesus said, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Huh. I want you to know that the Son of Man, that's me, has authority to forgive sins, I'm going to do something. I'm going to say something and do something to demonstrate that I have the authority to forgive sins, that I am a Son of God. Now, there was a problem with people in those days, 
like with these religious leaders. And you know that same problem exists today. And you know what the problem is? They fail to recognize Jesus for who he really is. That's a big problem in the world. They fail to recognize Jesus for who he really is. And you know, there's really no excuse for the people in Jesus' day because they had the scriptures, they had the Old Testament scriptures, the prophecies regarding the Messiah. For instance, Isaiah the prophet, he spoke of Christ. He said in Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will remember not your sins. They should have realized, hey, when the Messiah comes, he's going to forgive sins. About Psalm 103, verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Why? Oh, pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Oh, they should have recognized Jesus. Many of them even witnessed God the Father's testimony about Jesus. Remember in Matthew 3? At his baptism in the Jordan River? Oh, voice came out of heaven. Booming voice. Said, Behold, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You know, sometimes the truth is right in front of us and we don't see it. You know that? The truth is right in front of us and we don't see it. And you know, we've got the Word of God right in front of us. So many people don't see it. They had Jesus right in front of them and they refused to see him. And they had the prophecies that pointed to him said, look, that's him. That's the guy. Right there. He's right there in front of you. And they refused to see him. That's what a hot heart will do. Oh, a hot heart. That'll blind you. It's like putting a sack of potato sack over your head. No, it's not even that bad because a potato sack's got little holes in it. You can see through it. It's like putting a bucket over your head. Nah, you can't see anything. That's what a hot heart will do. So Jesus said to the Pharisees, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Well, get up and walk. Now, get up and walk was an impossible command. No one, you, you, you can't say to somebody, get up and walk if they're lame and they, and they, walk, walk, and they walk. That's not going to happen because they're lame. So Jesus said the easy thing, but then he's going to demonstrate it with the hard thing. By healing him, Jesus demonstrates he also has the authority to forgive sins. That if Jesus had authority over that man's body to heal him, then he's got authority to forgive sins. You know why? Because that proves that he's God. (laughs) He's God. 
So Jesus said to them, you know, this is like a Sunday school lesson to these Pharisees. They should have got it. He said in verse 6, But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, so you know I am deity. You'll know I'm God. You'll know that I have the right to forgive sins. Then, that's why I said to the paralytic, Get up, pick up your bed, and go home. Get up, pick up your bed, and go home. Wow. See, the fact that Jesus had that kind of power demonstrates that he has power to forgive sins. See, that should have been good news. People should have been like, oh, thank you, Lord, you finally came. You finally showed up. Now I can be forgiven. But no, they'd rather die in their sins. Imagine that. They'd rather die in their sins than be forgiven by Christ. So Jesus says to this man, get up. What does that mean? It means you're free. You're not in bondage to that affliction anymore. Pick up your bed. You're able. You can walk. And go home. You know what that means? Go live your life. Go live life. Because you see, when Jesus forgives you, this is what happens. When you find forgiveness in Christ, number one, you're free. You're free from judgment, condemnation. You're free from the control of the sin nature. Yes, we still have a sin nature, but we're free from the control, which means that we have a choice. We're not dominated anymore. We have a choice. The sin nature says, hey, do this. And you can like, no, I'm not going to do that. Hey, say this. No, I'm not going to say that. Hey, go there. No, I'm not going there. We have a choice. We are able. Just like the man that was healed. We are able. And thirdly, now you can really live your life. You really can. You're free. Do people realize how much freedom there is in Christ? Oh, there's so much freedom. Matter of fact, it's real freedom. You're free. You're not only free from things like judgment, condemnation, the power of the sin nature, but we're free to things. We're free to know God. We're free to worship God. We're free to serve God. We weren't before. Now we are. We're free to learn about God. We continue in the scriptures and we get more well, more freedom. <laughs> Jesus said, now you'll be free indeed. You'll certainly be free. Stick with the scriptures. Stick with the word of God. There's a lot of freedom in Christ. There's freedom from our old ways. You know, we call those hang-ups. Right? We have old temperaments. We all have them, don't we? Man, we want to shake those things off, you know? Get a short fuse. You can be free from that. Ill-tempered, you can be free from that. You got lust for money, you can be free. Lust for sex, you can be free. Lust for materialism, you can be free. Lust for power, you can be free. Oh, there's freedom in Christ. Freedom from addiction, freedom from bondage. Freedom from feelings of inferiority. Low self-esteem. Free from all those things. Because God, you see, can replace all those negatives with positives. 
Now I realize, hey, I'm a member of God's family. I'm in the bride of Christ. He's going to prepare a place for me so that where he is, I will be also. I'm a member of the royal priesthood. Yeah. God is predetermined now that I'm in Christ that I will be glorified in heaven. Oh, all these wonderful things. There's a resurrection body that waits for me. God has given me spiritual gifts with which I can make my life count. I can serve the common good. I can earn rewards in heaven. Everything changes. When you realize your freedom in Christ, everything changes. And just like this man, now you're able. Yeah, you have a divine power. From what? The Holy Spirit. The dunamis of God. Where we get the word dynamite. The Holy Spirit. He empowers us to live the Christian life. Where does power come from? It comes from God. It takes God's power to live God's life. So now that you've got God's life, you have the Holy Spirit, you now have God's power to live that life, the enablement of the Holy Spirit. And then you can live. Now you can live. Oh, now you can really live. And you know, living your life to the fullest extent doesn't mean I'm going to have all the stuff I want, do all the things I want. It's, it's, it's far higher than that. It's not a fleshly life. It's not fleshly motivated. Not at all. It's so much better. It's not necessarily a happy life as much as it is a fulfilling life. What's better? Would you rather be happy or would you rather be fulfilled? See, you say, I want to be happy. Yeah, but man, happiness is fleeting. It's conditional. It's based on circumstances. But fulfillment, it's on the inside. Happiness is on the outside trying to work its way in. Fulfillment from God is on the inside. And it's working its way out. See, when God fulfills you, then it works its way out into your life. That's the Christian life. The Christian life is a life of certainty. It's not a life of worry. It's not a life of wondering. It's a life of certainty. You know who you are. You belong to Christ. You know you have value. You've been bought with the shed blood of Christ. You know you have an eternal home, the heavenly city the New Jerusalem. See, these are the things that help us get out of bed in the morning. You know, there are people, they just want to pull the sheets over. I don't want to get up. I'm just going to pull the sheets over my head and stay here. Make the world go away. Remember that song? Make the world go away. Well, not when you're a Christian. Not when you understand the Christian life where you are free, you are able, and you have a life to live. You don't want the world to go away. You want to get out there and live it. You want to live life. Why? Because you now you're not living it on empty. You're not the old eagle song running on empty. No, no. You got a full tank. That full tank. Oh yeah. Came from God. And what is it that got this man in this place? Godly friends. Godly if he didn't have friends, he would have stayed in that affliction. But he had friends. See how important godly friends are? And that's why it goes both ways. you got to have godly friends because they're going to pick you up when you're down. 
And I'll tell you what, we all get down sometimes. We all do. But then you've got to be a godly friend. Because there are people in your life, they're going to need to pick me up too. They're going to feel like they've been beat up by the world. And they're going to have negative projections thrown at them by the kingdom of darkness. And that's why you come along and you be a friend. See, we, we need a friend and we be a friend. We need both, like two sides of the coin, right? Heads and tails. You need a friend and you be a friend. What did Solomon say? Cast your bread upon the water and after many days it'll return to you. Wow, what's he saying? Put it out there and it'll come back. Invest in others and they'll invest in you. What you give, you will get. That's what he's saying. When you think about the Christian life, I want you to think of a life of reciprocal, if I can say the word right, reciprocity. It's reciprocal. I don't know the reciprocity word. It's reciprocal. Like a reciprocal saw, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Circular saw, round and round. Reciprocal saw, out, in, out, in. That's our life. Not round and round. Out and in, out and in. We put out, we receive. We give, we receive. We give, we receive. That's the Christian life. You give to people, you receive from people. You give to God, you receive from God. Yeah. And you'll find freedom. And you'll find enablement. And you'll find fulfillment. Those are the three things that God will give you. Freedom, enablement, and fulfillment. The very three, three things that we need to live life. And you know where it all comes from? Oh, yeah. The grace of God. God in his grace has established this. He set it up for us. He hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. He's established it so we can approach life this way. I don't know about you, but that makes life worth living for me. It makes life worth living because he lives. Are you in the whole club? You getting a daily devotional every day? Start the day? No? Join the whole club. Go to newhopecc.tv. Click giving. Click e-giving. Choose a fund, radio. Can you commit $3 a week? Fill out the info, hit submit. Monday through Friday, you'll get an audio file devotional from me. Get you going and start off the day right. You keep New Hope Radio on the air, and you'll have a tight walk with God. Okay? All right. Thanks for coming along. I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.